Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. What I find often with my clients and was true with me, when we have a fear of what other people will think, I will actually ask my clients, I'll say, okay, write down who everyone is. And when you really look at it, it mostly turns out to be first and foremost yourself. So I was afraid to be a person who was divorced. I was afraid to be a person who used to have a great corporate job and now was starting her own business and was trying something I don't like to do things that I'm not already good at. So if I, you know, when you start out brand new at something, you're not going to be the best and all of those things. So just that overarching belief was over the top of my whole life, which was this whole thing needs to look good. And so when I was able to let go of that, and that wasn't like a one second, oh, okay, I'm just going to do that. It was a slow process of letting go of various different things. But when you get to the point where you can focus on what you truly want and put your heart and soul into that, everything else falls into place. And now, I mean, it's kind of funny how little I care what anyone else thinks. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Michelle Gauthier. She is a life coach who helps overwhelmed, busy overachievers to create a calm life. And as impossible as this may sound, we talk about how our busy lives are driven much more by our thoughts than actually by our situation. And Michelle was once just like her clients, and probably many of you listening right now, overwhelmed, overworked, a perfectionist mother of two struggling to keep her head above water. And after learning about life coaching, she decided to join this training program and in typical perfectionist fashion, she just layered it on top of her already chaotic schedule, but it put, took her on a whole different path and it really opened her eyes to a whole new way of living. So we chat about how to stop caring about what everyone else thinks, how to figure out what we really want in our lives, how to find a balance between our careers and our personal lives, how to draw boundaries without having awkward conversations, and why our thoughts create our reality and how we can change them. This episode is so good. I know you are going to get so much out of it. And if you're interested in learning more about Michelle, you can check out her website at michellegauthier.com. She offers all kinds of free classes on there. You can sign up for email and of course sign up for a free consultation to chat with her and really help to start transforming some of your thoughts like we're going to learn about in this episode. And of course, if you are looking for support in your health journey, if you want to regain your energy, clear your skin, relieve bloating, really any of those things, I would love to support you. I also offer a free consultation and I will link up to that in the show notes as well. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here and to chat about this topic because it's something that I'm excited to learn about and I'm sure my audience is as well. So I would love for you to just kind of start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your story, and what brought you to doing what you do now. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. First of all, I'm excited to be here too. Um, So my name is Michelle Gauthier and I'm a life coach. I specialize in helping overwhelmed, busy overachievers try to create a more calm life for themselves. And so the the way that I got there, the roundabout way that that's what I ended up doing for my career is I used to be that busy, overwhelmed working mom who just felt like everything was um, just on the brink of totally going out of my control. So I had about a 20-year career a business career. And I actually really liked it. It wasn't like I was miserable at my career, but it was just too much. I had by that time I had two kids and my husband at the time worked a lot. He was, he was in the medical profession. So he was always working and on call. So I was the primary parent. I traveled for work. I had a really stressful job. 
Um, and then I could not let go of, which I think this is something we'll probably get into today, but I couldn't let go of anything. So I also wanted to be like the room mom and, you know, volunteer at church and still get up really early in the morning and exercise and try to plan all these great meals. And you know what I'm talking about, just couldn't let go of anything. And so by doing that, I just felt like I was white knuckling it through life. And at some point it just all became too much. So in the midst of being super busy with all of that, I came across um, a podcast, actually podcast changed my life. And the guest was a life coach and she was talking about her job. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. That's what I want to do. I want to be a life coach. So I searched uh, best life coach and Martha Beck came up. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work. She has a column in Oprah magazine and she's written many best-selling books. And so she had a training program. So I signed up for it basically on the spot, literally within 24 hours. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so great at this. And when I started doing the training, I thought, oh my gosh, I so need a life coach. <laughs> I wasn't quite ready to help other people yet. And so I went through the training while also getting coaching and then decided to uh, just totally change my own life about six months later. So all in the span of about a month, I ended up getting separated um, from my husband at the time and we're now divorced. I quit my corporate job, uh, sold the house we were living in, moved into a smaller house, which we renovated and then uh, got a puppy all in one. I don't recommend that approach, but that, <laughs> <laughs> that was a little much, <laughs> but that's what I did. So I have been a life coach. Uh, it's been my full-time job since 2018. And it, now it feels amazing. You know, it took a while for that all to even out, but now it's fantastic. So that's how I got here. That's me. Wow. Okay. So there's a <laughs> lot to unpack there. And I feel like kind of the first thing that popped into my head is, and I guess maybe we can, we'll get into specifically, you said you help overwhelmed moms who feel like things are just really chaotic and obviously not just necessarily moms, but it's funny because you already were in this place of maxed out. And yes. then you hear a podcast and you're like, oh, let me add one more thing onto my plate. very <laughs> typical. I'm like, yeah, sure. I can do this, you know, six months of classes. And of course we had to do like practicums and practice coaching and have, cause so I had coaching clients on the side. It was crazy. It was, it was very typical at the time. Like, let me just add something more. And I think that's something that happens a lot as we try to, when we have a problem, especially if it have a history of being successful we just do more to try to reduce that problem. And that works until it doesn't. And everybody reaches a point. And usually when clients come to me is when they've reached that point of, I've always been able to get straight A's and be the president of, you know, whatever and have this big job. And, and then all of a sudden it's, it just becomes too much. There's just a point where we can't do it anymore. Absolutely. And when you decided that you wanted to sign up for the life coaching and all of that, had you already had it in your mind because that was what you were going to transition to and that was going to make your life simpler? Or were you kind of like, let's just add this onto the pile of things and I'll do it I, on the side? I sort of thought that it would be a great thing for me to do. And I, I've always kind of wanted to start my own business. So it was like a few things in the back of my mind, but I was too afraid at that time to let go of the idea that I would have my, the salary I was used to and just the, um, like the, uh, to be known and respected in my field. I was so worried about what other people might think like, wait, she's got this great corporate career. Why would she become a life coach? That's so weird. So I was really, uh, too concerned about, not being able to make the same amount of money and what other people might think. So I would say it was a maybe, but it wasn't like a, this is my plan. Yeah. And I feel like everything that you've mentioned, and this is something that I'm sure is a like through line to everything that you experience with your clients is basically like perfectionism. It's yeah. what, what people think I can do it all at the same time and do it all perfectly. And all of that. Do you find with most of your clients that that is kind of the through line that's underlying them biting off more than they can chew essentially? Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. I think if you've been successful in life up to this point by working really hard, and my old thought was, well, if I have a problem, I'm just not working hard enough. And so we believe that we just have to do more and do it harder and try harder. And so I think that's definitely a through line that I see. I also think it's because I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think it's really safe to say that most women have at least some amount of people pleasing where we're, we are taught by society and our families and everyone that we are always supposed to be last. And so the idea of being able to say, okay, these are my three top three priorities priorities and they're for me is just unheard of. So I think it's like that people pleasing and putting themselves second, third, fourth, whatever, whatever they come to just adds up to be too much at a certain point. And normally when people come to me, it's because they are, they just, their body often will start telling them this is not going to work anymore. Like they'll just feel this overwhelming exhaustion or have aches and pains in places. And I really believe that at a certain point, even our body is like, we're not doing this anymore. A hundred percent. So I guess for people who are like, when you were going through the process, you said you were training to be a life coach. And then it was like, I need a life coach. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> going through that process was the impetus for you to make a lot more changes than you even anticipated. Maybe in the back of your mind, you were like, my job's too much and, and I'm ready for, you know, a transition, but, you know, ending up separating from your husband and all these other things that transpired. Yeah. What would you say kind of came through during that life coaching? Like what were the tools or conversations that kind of was like the light bulb that more things needed to change? Yeah. I, I think it was really just one thing. And that one thing was that I had spent my whole life up to that point trying to be perfect and being afraid to make a mistake because I was afraid that other people wouldn't like me or think that I was doing a good job. And that, that was it. And so what that meant was for me, I just kept climbing the corporate ladder, even when I didn't really want to climb anymore, because it didn't fit with my lifestyle. And I stayed in a marriage that really didn't work for me anymore, but I was afraid of what other people would think if I got divorced. And what, what I find often with my clients and was true with me, when we have a fear of what other people will think, I will actually ask my clients, I'll say, okay, write down who everyone is. And when you really look at it, it mostly turns out to be first and foremost yourself. So I was afraid to be a person who was divorced. I was afraid to be a person who used to have a great corporate job and now was starting her own business and was trying something. I don't like to do things that I'm not already good at. So if I, you know, when you start out brand new at something, you're not going to be the best and all of those things. So just that overarching belief was over the top of my whole life, which was this whole thing needs to look good. And so when I was able to let go of that, and that wasn't like a one second, oh, okay, I'm just going to do that. It was a slow process of letting go of various different things. But when you get to the point where you can focus on what you truly want and put your heart and soul into that, everything else falls into place. And now, I mean, it's kind of funny how little I care what anyone else thinks. And I think that that is probably for most people like, Nirvana. Like, how do I reach yeah. the point where I yeah. don't care what other people think? So kind of what are like the first couple steps? Like if someone's sitting there and they're like, I would love to not care what people think, but I can't yeah. let go. Like, yeah. how do you start that process of, of letting go? So the biggest thing, and I think the, the one that has the most impact is just understanding what is driving. Because if you would have said to me, Michelle, what's your motivation for having this life where you're just, you know, trying to be on top of the world on everything? I would have said, I don't know. I just feel like I, I need to. I'm supposed to. I can. And I think the first thing is to understand what I can now just clearly state after much work is that I was being driven by a belief that I had to show up as perfect. I had to make sure everything looked good and looked pulled together. And like, every time I describe this, I picture like the perfect Christmas card, like in front of the nice house with the cute family. And it was like, that was what I was always going for the work version of that, the home version of that. And so just 
understanding and unpacking why, how did I get to be this way? And what thoughts and beliefs do I have that are driving me to keep this up? And that is what makes us really care about what other people think. A lot of times when I help my clients, because I work with my clients one-on-one. So we would, this would be the first thing we would address is to say like, how did you get here? Why do you think it happened this way. And a lot of times when we find that thought or that belief and we pull it out and we look at it, they'll say, I don't even know if I really believe that, but they have this unconscious belief that they've been acting from. So for example, when I looked at myself and thought, do I really feel like I have to be perfect all the time? Do I really believe that people like me more if they think I'm perfect? And I thought, I really don't. I think people like humans who are human. I mean, if somebody admits to a mistake or laughs at themselves, or even now I've had to, had to have a lot of practice of failing, you know, when you have a new business, you have to just keep trying things. Um, I admire those people. And I feel like those are the, the people who I truly admire. So I realized, okay, I can, I know I can work to let go of this because it doesn't even make sense to me. I don't really want to be that person, but we're just operating from these thoughts and beliefs that we haven't really investigated. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. And I think probably getting there is also kind of like, like sometimes when I'm in uh, sessions with my therapist, she's just kind of like, but why, but why? (laughs) Like the more you kind of go deeper is like when you get to that core belief that is like, it doesn't make any sense really. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And sometimes when you get to the core belief and you can just right away say, I don't even believe that. So I like to think about it like our brain got programmed and studies actually show this, but by the time we're about seven, we have certain core beliefs that we learn from our families, whether they explicitly told us that, or they just acted in a way that we programmed our brains for that. And then we sort of don't recheck the programming until we get to be like 40 and miserable. (laughs) In some cases, people do it earlier and good for those people. Kudos to those people. But most of my clients are in their 30s or 40s or even later sometimes, and they are just still operating off their old programming. And so we just take the time, you know, gently and kindly and ask all the questions until we can unpack that programming. So that's really the first step. And then once we can see it and we understand, here's the beliefs and the thoughts that you're acting from, does that serve you? Is that what you want to have going forward? Usually the answer is no. Actually, always the answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're with you. (laughs) Yes. Um, As it was with me. Exactly. And then we work on, so what do you want it to be? And then we start designing that new programming and that new programming doesn't usually take right away because you have those old thoughts and beliefs in the way your brain works forever. So it just takes a little practice and we just do one step at a time where you would take a different action. For example, uh, I teach people a lot how to say no. And so the first step is just to pause. If you're a person who says yes all the time, the first step is just to pause in your mind and think, do I want to say yes or do I want to say no? That's it. And then you can keep saying yes all the time if you want to, but just teaching someone to pause and say, what do I actually really want to say? And then once they practice that, then maybe we'll get to the point where they will practice a no with someone or a situation that's easy. And I'll say, go ahead and over explain or whatever you have to do, just say no. And then we get to the point where they can check and they want to say no and they say no and they don't over explain and they don't feel guilty about it. That's kind of like the nirvana. So that's how we work on things just a little bit at a time. So it doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I have to change absolutely everything about my life. I think that's such a good tip because I feel like for so many people saying no is incredibly challenging. (laughs) So I think even you just saying the first step is being like, I want to say no right now. I'm not quite ready to actually do it, but at least I'm recognizing that I wish I was saying no in this moment. Yes. It's taking those like baby steps. Yes. And then when you end up doing the thing that you said no to, and you're irritated with it, that you're doing it, you can think back and say, okay, I knew I wanted to say no. I have the power to say no next time. And if I did, I would be like sitting on my couch right now with my family, instead of doing this extra thing that I really didn't want to do or covering for somebody at work or whatever it is. 
Absolutely. And I feel like that probably kind of ties into, I think for a lot of people, and I know for me for a long time, for a career, especially, I knew I wasn't happy with what I was doing, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So sometimes it's like the not knowing what you even want, but I imagine sometimes a good first step is it's easier for us to identify what we don't want. (laughs) So if we kind of like start coming up with that, like, is that kind of the next step of helping people figure out what they do actually want? It absolutely is. And I think I very rarely have someone come to me unless they have already done a lot of internal work, come to me and say, okay, I'm a lawyer and I want to open a bakery. You know, they very rarely do people know what they want to do, but they know that they don't feel good right now and they don't want to do what they're doing. And so the way that I think about it is when we're feeling overwhelmed, which is where most of my people are when they come to me, we don't have the ability to think clearly. It's like we're in survival mode and thinking about something as complex as what do I want to do with the rest of my life? How is the rest of my life going to play out? It requires a really clear mind. So when someone comes to me with the problem of, I want to do something else, but I don't know what it is. We do all that work that I was just describing to you in order to get their mind to the place where it can be settled. I picture it like a snow globe, like it's all shaken up and then we get it where it's settled. And then the answer almost just appears like the the ideas or the things start flowing once we clear people's mind. And so once we do that, and sometimes people will say, you know what, now that I feel so much calmer and I can say no, and I have boundaries, I actually don't really mind my job. I've had that happen before where people just stay with what they're doing. I've had people who have been absolutely miserable in their marriage and they decide in the end, I'm actually going to stay because they can change their own thoughts and the way that they're perceiving their whole life. And then their situation just feels so much better. So that happens a lot too. And do you ever find that sometimes people, maybe they come in thinking that it's their job, but then as they're actually unpacking it, it is their husband or like something like that. Like they're making it something that it's not, but once you really, cause maybe they're trying to mask really not wanting it to be the husband by being upset with their job. Is it kind of like misplaced (laughs) confusion? I think it is. I I would just say that the misplaced, um, like this is what's ruining my life is almost always their own thoughts. So it's the way that they're thinking about and approaching their life. And I feel like that's such a good thing, even though it's frustrating (laughs) to tell people and they're like, wait, so you're telling me, even though my boss is a complete jerk, that I'm the one who's making myself miserable. (laughs) It's like, yes. And the good thing is that means you can change it too. So if your boss is someone who you think is a real jerk, that person is very unlikely to ever, ever change. And so if you can change your own thoughts about that person and about the situation and make their impact on you, on your brain, very minimal, then you can feel so much better without that person having to change at all. So I would say 99% of the time, what we work on is their thoughts in their own head about these various situations. And The thing is, once you do that and you get clear in your mind, it becomes very clear, like, do I want to leave my marriage? Do I want to leave my job? Do I want to, you know, try to get a different boss? Well, that's great. And I would love to kind of dive into some scenarios because I'm sure there's plenty of people listening right now. They're like, that's me. (laughs) So I guess like an example like that, you work a job that you think you're not enjoying anymore. It's really stressful. It's long hours. Your boss is demanding and it's just a really negative work environment in general, like just toxic corporate stuff. How do you, and you're kind of like, I want my free time with my husband, my friends, whatever it may be, but I feel like I'm losing out on those moments because I'm like a slave to this job. Yep. Yep. So I would say there's two pieces to it. One are the thoughts which is what I just mentioned. And then the other are some of the actions that you can take around that, which are also driven by the thoughts. It always goes back to the thoughts, but I think just practically speaking, if I were like, if you came to me with that problem, I would say, tell me everything. Tell me what kinds of hours you're working. Tell me what the expectations you think you have from your boss. Tell me everything. And then we would work on a couple things. The first is minimizing your boss's impact on your 
mind. So right now, let's say your thought about this person is um, he's a huge jerk. He's controlling. He doesn't understand me. And we would work and maybe eventually get to a thought like um, he's he's my boss or he's just another human or he's something that just we don't want to make it like he's a fantastic person because your brain knows when you're lying and it won't work. But if you can come with a, come up with a thought that's as true or more true than the thought you were thinking about him before, but makes you feel neutral, that's kind of what we're going for. So for example, some, this is a real example from one of my clients, instead of saying my boss always tells you know, all the things he says, she, she just changed it to my boss said words. That's it. So then it can be more neutral. And if it kind of gives you a chuckle, it's almost better because it snaps you out of your own thoughts about that person. So we'd work on that negative thought loop and make it to where you can just notice that person, you know, hear what they're saying, but not be super affected by it. And then the second piece is things that you can do. There are always things in our control and always things that are out of our control. So we can't control like one of my old bosses used to call me um, six in the morning, sometimes, you know, eight o'clock at night emails. And what I believed is I have to respond. And so if I were my own client now, I would say, what do you mean you have to? Like, what are your work hours? What is your, well, I guess I don't really have to, but like everybody does. Okay, so who's everybody? Do you want to feel like everybody feels? Do you want to feel like you? So I would work through that and then help them create a boundary. So a boundary is essentially what's the rule and then what's the repercussion if the person doesn't follow the boundary and how are you going to communicate it to them? So with this boss situation, it could be, I don't answer my phone between, you know, after five o'clock and before eight o'clock in the morning. And I don't answer my emails at those times too. And you can communicate that boundary just by not doing it. You know, I'm sure you've worked with people before I remember I worked with this one lawyer and I would email her at 10 o'clock at night and she would email me back at like two in the morning. And I knew that I knew if I needed an answer from her, I could send her a message late at night and she'd answer me. I don't know when she slept, but there are other people like I can think of one executive specifically. He left at five o'clock every day. He would always get back to you, but he was not going to be doing it at night. So you just start to learn people's behaviors. So I say, just pick your boundary start sticking to it. And I don't mean like go out to lunch for two hours in the middle of the day and don't respond. I'm talking like regular, you know, work hours versus not. And then, um, you know, when you do that and you stick to it, you have to communicate that to the other person by sticking to it or not doing it. Or you could have an explicit conversation with your boss. It depends, depends on the situation, but something like that, it sounds so simple to say, well, just stop checking your email and stop answering the phone. But, you know, if you've ever been in that situation, there's so much mind work around being able to do that. And we do it in little steps, just like the no example that I gave. And then pretty soon you're working much more normal work hours. Then we move on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Yes. I mean, that makes total sense. And I feel like probably when somebody's scenario is, like, I want that time back so I can be with my family. They're saying their family is like a priority over work. But like, let's say you're somebody who's like, I'm really trying to get a promotion, but mm -hmm. I still don't want to be working around the clock kind of thing. Like, cause I could see my old me kind of being like, well, if I'm not answering the phone, then like, do I not look like I'm trying my hardest? Like kind of like, is that again, obviously those are my beliefs. Why should yep. you have to be working around the clock? But I guess probably I think for a lot of people, they might be thinking the same thing. So if we could kind of go yeah. a layer deeper on how you would kind of work on that as well. Yeah, so we would, we would work through that. And we'd talk about if you want this promotion or you want to move up to the next level, in what way do you want to do that? Do you want to be the person who works 24 seven? Because we all know that person. Or do you want to be someone who lives a balanced life and also gets promoted? And what beliefs do you have that in order to get promoted, you have to work 24 seven? Is it something in your industry or your company or your family? You know, where did you get that? And then we would probably start something I call an evidence journal, 
where we would look for evidence that what you're doing, the healthy choice that you're making for you is working. And you would look for other people in your company who are also modeling that and write down examples of where they're doing it. Because when our brain has a negative thought, it's like a magnet to find evidence for that. So when you say, if I wanna get ahead, I have to work at least 12 hours a day, your brain will find all the people who are doing that. But if you start focusing on the thought of, I wanna be a balanced person, who can do whatever she wants in the evening or the weekend, you know, depending on what industry you're in, then you start looking for evidence of that, but you have to, it's like your brain has to make a slow turnaround to start looking for that. So it's really helpful to write it down. Evidence that this can work too. I love that. That's an amazing tip. <laughs> and then I definitely know there's probably a ton of moms. Well, not a ton. I wish there was a ton of people listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of moms that are listening. Millions. And- <laughs> Millions. <laughs> um, and I don't necessarily know all of the struggles that moms deal with, but just, you know, hearing you saying you are starting your own business, you have two kids, you got separated. You're obviously also trying to take care of yourself. Like how did you kind of start to prioritize your life in the midst of so many changes that were happening as a mother? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And I think this goes for moms and I have other clients who don't have kids, but they just want to have a life beyond work. And so I think it's similar. It's just, what are you spending your other time on? And I think the biggest thing is actually being present where you are. So for example, if you are, let's just say I left work at five o'clock every day, but then I continued to be distracted by work and on my phone and like, you know, looking things up and talking to my kids until I got a phone call and taking that phone call. It's like I'm with my kids with air quotes. <laughs> so, you know, if you were peeking in the window, you might see that I was with my family, but I'm not really with my family. And so what I encourage my clients to do is just choose the things that feel most important to them. And then actually think about how long do you want to be present with that situation? So in my example, if you quit work at five or six o'clock and your kids go to bed at my kids are teenagers and preteens now, so they don't go to bed till like 10 or 11 o'clock later than me. Sometimes my goal is not to be fully present with them for that whole entire time. Right. So there are certain, I like to have, and I would say for me, we have dinner. So however long that takes, and then 20, 30 minutes with each one of my kids where I'm actually engaging with them and doing something with them. And depending on the age of your child, that could be different. But as long as I feel like I've really connected with my kids and my significant other in one day, that feels good to me. So I had a client who worked really long hours. She was a physician, is a physician. She worked really long hours. And she said when she got home, she only had between an hour or a half hour sometimes before her kids went to bed. And it's like, it's not the amount of time you could be there for four hours. Cause that was another thing she used to do is bring her computer home and do all of her notes at home. But then she's just distracted by her kids and not really spending time with them. And so what she ended up doing was when she got home, just dropping everything, taking the time to put them to bed, read them their books. And she just felt so much better about how she was spending her time. So I would say the key to that is just being present where you are and then working on your boundaries as far as the time goes. And I think even there, it's, it's like the reframe of it too, because if she wanted to, she could still be like, well, 20 minutes isn't enough or just putting them to bed isn't enough. But like yeah. just focusing on what if it was enough, <laughs> like just like exactly. flipping that thought can change so much as well. Yes. And I think if you're doing zero minutes and then you do 20 minutes and you say 20 minutes isn't enough, well, it's 20 more than zero. So let's just try it. And we're just in a continual process in all of life, I believe, of just trying things, seeing what works. If things work, great. Put them in the win category and keep doing them. And if they don't, then just take the time to evaluate them and say, what doesn't feel good? Okay. Maybe I do want to try to have an hour with my kids but you can't go from zero to four hours easily most of the time, because otherwise you'd already be doing, you know, having much more relaxation time. Speaking of just while I'm on this topic, I think this is another thing that overachievers really struggle with is any kind of 
relaxing time. And a lot of times we tell ourselves that I can relax as soon as I have done absolutely everything on the planet, which actually never comes. And a lot of times when I get a new client, I'll say, what do you like to do for fun? And they're like, um, I don't know. I used to like to whatever it is. And so I think using the same logic that I just said there with the 20 minutes of present time with your kids, 20 minutes of giving yourself permission to do whatever you want. I used to not be able to lay on the couch. Now I can lay on the couch like a champ. I can read people magazine or, you know, scroll through my phone if that's what I feel like doing. And it's not trying to run away from my life. It's choosing. I'm just going to do nothing for a while and that's okay. Yes. I love that you said that. That was going to kind of be my next question is like, how does caring for yourself play a role in all of this too? Because obviously most of us perfectionists are like, well, I also need to work out every day and eat perfectly and make every meal at home. And like, you know, I'm a health coach, obviously. So I help people with making these changes, but it's like, you don't need to have like a four hour health routine to be healthy. So how does that kind of fit in for people? And I imagine that and the rest time are the ones that take a backseat typically when people are feeling really overwhelmed and chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. And I think it's just like anything else. If you want to make a change in your life, then you have to do exactly what I'm talking about and make it slowly. Like right now, one of my clients has just not taken the time. She, she takes care of her family. She makes them all their meals, but she doesn't take the time for herself. And so she just ends up, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of your clients do this too, where she's just starving and then she just eats crap and then she feels terrible about herself. So then it's, it just goes in a cycle. And so just the same thing as the approach I take for everything else is, okay, let's look at why you're doing this. Why are you putting yourself last? What thoughts do you think when you get up and go to the pantry and just eat whatever's in there? And it's like, I don't have thoughts. Like I don't have time to do anything else for myself. So we'll look at that and she'll make the choice to say, okay, for breakfast, I know what I'm going to have, you know, just starting little to everything I do is about little tiny steps, tweaking the thoughts and then taking the little tiny steps towards better self-care. And I'm totally opposed to the idea of, well, we have to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of other people. I hate that second part. It's like, we have to take care of ourselves because we matter. We matter. Take care of yourself because it feels good. And then you can be your full self and then you can do whatever you want. You can take care of other people or do your job or whatever you have to do. But that to me undermines the fact that it's important. Like it's only important for me to take care of myself so I can be a good mom. No, it's just important for me to take care of myself because I matter, period. Totally. And I think too, it's, it's, I talk about often that people are like, well, it's more important for me to make sure that I'm doing well at work or that I'm being a good mom or all of these different things. But it is like, you are going to be the best version of you. If you take some time to take care of yourself, all those other things suffer, you know, whether it is like getting ahead in your career or whatever your other goals are, like having that come last is just a detriment to all the other things that you're pouring your energy into. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I mean, health, especially you would know better than I would, but I feel like you can only ignore it for so long. And then it lets you know that you can't ignore it anymore. So what if you've spent all this time and effort building up this business or whatever, and then you get sick or you get to the point where you just can't take care of yourself or anyone else anymore. It's just, it feels like it needs to be the first thing. Totally. And we've talked a lot, obviously, about thoughts, that thoughts are what are driving our actions. So you're kind of helping your clients to get down to those thoughts and then rewire them a bit. And as somebody who tries to do this myself as much as possible, it does feel like those old thoughts can kind of creep in. And we're always trying to, to think that healthier thought. Do you, what are your tips for that process of you're working on that new thought? Maybe something you would say is like you're writing it as an affirmation or you're telling your friends or like kind of what are those steps to get Mm -hmm. it in there? And are there Mm -hmm. any tips for when the old one is, is creeping back in? Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with the old one first, because the old, the way I like to think about it is if you go every day, let's say maybe you go to the gym every day and every day you pull out of your driveway and you turn left to go to the gym. And all of a sudden you have to pull out of your driveway and you have to turn right. 
And the first day that you do it, you probably will turn left without even noticing you've done it and you'll have to turn around. And then eventually you might start to turn right, but you have to think about it like, oh, wait, turn right, turn right, turn right. And then eventually you just start turning right and you don't even have to think about it and you've rewired your brain. And that's how it is with our thoughts. So what what people should expect when they're trying to change something is that they'll do that left turn. Their brain will take them down that old path. And I think the best way to approach it is with curiosity and a lightness because your brain is just doing what it has been doing for the past however many years. And a lot of times with my clients, I'll calculate how long do you think you've been thinking that thought? And, you know, a lot of them are like 30 years, 40 years. So it's a, you know, it's in there. Luckily, it doesn't take that long to turn it around. But when you see the old thought, having the ability to just see it and notice it and even kind of chuckle like, oh, there you are. Okay, I see you. You're back. Thanks for showing up. I'm good. I think about it like patting it on top of the head and then saying, okay, thank you for trying to keep me safe or whatever you're doing. Just go ahead and move on. So treating it not like, oh, I can't stop thinking this old thought. Why am I doing this and turning into some big shame fest does not help anything. Just think, okay, I turned left. I'm meant to turn right. I'm going to do a U-turn, not a big deal. And then on thinking the new thought, like for example, one, my new thought, my old thought was um, I have to do this perfectly or people will know that I'm not perfect and then they won't like me. That's like the long version of it. So I still feel that come up sometimes if I make a mistake, especially, and it's a mistake that other people know about. And so my new thought is, I just have to be me and people like real people more than they like perfect people. So for that new thought of, I just have to be me, I can do two things. One is to practice it proactively and one is reactively. So proactively, there's lots of ways that you can do that. I think an affirmation, like you mentioned, is a great way to do it. Um, I always recommend that you write them on a post-it note, stick them on your mirror, put them in your car, on your desk, any place that you see often. Another one is to make it the home screen for your phone. Since we look at our phones and every time you tap it, it'll come up and say, all I have to do is be me. And that count, like every time your brain proactively sees that new thought, it helps move in that direction of the right turn. And then um, saying it out loud is really good when you're driving in your car, thinking of a specific spot during the day, something that you always do. Like, for example, I always brush my teeth. I always make coffee. Um, there's just certain things in a day. I always sit down at my desk for a bit. And so pick a spot for me. I do when I'm brushing my teeth, pick a spot where you're doing something that you do all the time and then proactively think that thought. So those are a couple ways you can do proactively reactively. Like I said, when you notice you've had that old thought, then just do the U-turn and then say the new thought and just say it in your head like three times. And then notice how it makes you feel when you say it. So for example, when I say, oh my gosh, I have to be perfect. The immediate feeling I get is anxiety. Even when I'm just practicing and saying it here to you, I still get like anxious feeling. And when I say, all I have to do is be me. All I have to do is be me. All I have to do is be me. It just gives me a sense of ease and calm. So just notice when you say that new thought, the feeling that you get in your body. I love that. And I love the, and it's kind of crazy to me that I've never thought this before. Cause I always tell people when they make an unhealthy decision in terms of eating, or if they, you know, don't get to bed as early as they expected or whatever, not to beat yourself up to just do the next best thing you can. But mm-hmm. I've never thought to myself to feel that way about my thoughts. It's really hard to not just go down the rabbit hole down of like, Oh, I'm so mad at myself that I even thought that thought. So I think it's so helpful to think of like, it's the same thing with your thoughts, like, especially your brain, you have, it's challenging to change the way your brain thinks, especially right out of the gate. So I think that for me, it's like a really big, absolutely for sure. I think a good one too, is when that, when that old thought makes you take an action that you don't like, like, for example, if I yell at my kids and I just lose it and go all the way through that old pattern before I'm like, shoot, I just did that. And instead of feeling guilty and beating myself up, I'll just apologize and think, okay, I made that left turn. I just have to be me. I just have to be me. I just have to be me and then get back on track. I love that. I, and I often ask um, guests on the show and I think it'd be really helpful. Obviously you've shared some things already, but habits are obviously such a big part of what makes us who we are and healthy habits can help to keep us on track. So obviously things like affirmations and the stuff that you just talked about are healthy habits 
for you, but are there other things that you do consistently that really help to just make you be the best, most centered version of you? Um, yes. Can I say like 27 answers? (laughs) (laughs) What's my limit? (laughs) Let's go top five. (laughs) Yeah. I would say, okay, these are the biggest ones. So I meditate every day between when I work and when I spend time with my kids. So it's kind of, I don't commute because my office is in my home. So it's sort of my commute. That is a game changer. And I feel like it's one of those things that when you do it the first time, the second time, and maybe even the 15th time, you don't understand the impact it's having. So you just have to keep going. Maybe it's like your clients, if they're trying to lose weight or exercise, you might not see it immediately, but it's such a habit now that I can even tell when I'm going to bed, if my mind isn't settled, oh, I forgot to meditate today, like on a weekend or something. That's what it is. So that is a huge one for me. Sleep. I have this aura ring. I don't know if you have this aura ring, but it tracks your sleep. And so I'm easily able to see how good my sleep was and then how I feel the next day. And so that helped me see what a big deal that is for me. So sleep is, like I said, my kids go to bed later than I do sometimes because that is a (laughs) non-negotiable for me. I'm like, good night. I love you. I'm going to bed. (laughs) So that's a really big one for me too. Um, And then for me personally, I found out I had a sensitivity to the dairy. I swear, I think I've had it since I was a little girl. I never knew. And so I haven't eaten dairy in several months and I just feel amazing. I have so much more energy. I had that afternoon slump before where, I mean, I could barely keep my eyes open and now it's just gone. So that was just a a random one for me, not for everybody, but for me personally. I love that. And I love to, and you probably did have it since you were young. <laughs> There's so many food intolerance and allergies that people just have no idea that they've had oh for their entire gosh. lives. <laughs> yes. I always had eczema when I was yep. a kid. Yep. And, yep. So I feel like, oh, I've probably had this forever. So my poor yeah. body's been like, hello. <laughs> Stop eating ice cream or whatever it was. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely common. That's extremely common. Um, And I also love that when I asked that question, your response was like, how much time do you have? There's 27 (laughs) things. Because again, most people are like, I don't have time to meditate for two minutes, but like you've taken the time to see really what you need to be your best. And here you are with two kids with your own business, super successful, and you have time to take care of yourself. So it's just like, absolutely. I do. And if I looked at a whole day, I also go work out every morning. I, um, eat the same breakfast. I mean, there are several, there'd be probably add up to hours in the day, including when I go to bed early that I'm doing things that are just for me. Yes. I love that. Well, I could literally talk to you forever. Yes. Yes. Same. I want to know everything about you and what you can teach me. Yes. We'll need to have you back on the show. Do like a Q and a, cause I'm sure yeah. people are going to have a lot of questions. You know what? I would love that. That would be so much fun. If people Great. heard this show and came on with Q and a, or somebody wanted a specific coaching or something, I'd love to do that. Perfect. Well, in the, you know, for wrapping up today, I do have a question that I ask everyone who comes on the show, which is what is one toxic thing that you've released that's had a major impact on your life? Hmm. Again, 27 things. <laughs> but I, think, I think the truly really biggest was just my own um, thoughts and self-criticism that I had to be some version of me that I just made up and no one told me. It's not like my parents for example, told me that I had to be perfect. I just got good feedback along the way from doing that. And I liked that. And so in some ways that helped me until it became toxic. And so I think that is something for people to tune into is what's something that I've always believed was the right thing to do that can, if overdone, just like exercise, you know, if you overdo it, it can become not good. And so I think that is it for me. I mean, that breaking that belief changed my whole entire life. Yes. I identify with that in a major way. (laughs) Yeah. And I would love for you to share like how people can work with you, follow you, connect with you, because I'm sure everyone will be interested in that. (laughs) Okay. Wonderful. Um, So if you go to my website, which is michellegothier.com, I assume you'll have the that in the show notes Um, on the first page, there is just a link where you can sign up to follow me. And if you sign up to follow me, I do free classes uh, once about every other month 
So I just taught one on how to create boundaries. Um, I just just last week did one uh, how to stop feeling overwhelmed and have a stress free summer. So I teach free classes. And then also, if you get on that list, you'll get my weekly emails. And if you're interested in working with me one on one, there's a work with me page where you can sign up for a free hour where we can just talk through what's going on with you and see if coaching is a good fit. So basically start at my website. It'll have everything you need. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here, Michelle. This was such a great conversation. Yeah, it was awesome to meet you. I'm so glad I met you. I wish we could go out to lunch or something. (laughs) We'll have to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again. All right. Take care. Well, I hope you guys loved that one as much as I did. There were so many amazing takeaways. I actually have 11, (laughs) which is the most I've ever had, but I couldn't figure out how to narrow it down. So number one, Often we think we're worried about what everyone else thinks, but we're really worried about what we think. And when we focus on what we truly want and put our heart and soul into it, it all falls into place and you won't care what anyone thinks anymore. Number two, our core beliefs were programmed into our minds by the age of seven and are left mostly unchecked, but they drive our decisions throughout our lives, but we can reprogram them. Number three, your brain is a magnet for examples that confirm the thoughts that you already have. So when you shift your focus to find evidence for a thought that you want versus a thought that you don't, you'll begin to find that evidence. Number four, when we're in overwhelm, it's very difficult to think clearly. But once we feel calmer, draw boundaries, and learn to say no, we can more easily see what we truly want. And sometimes our current situation is actually great and all we needed to do was shift our perspective. Number five, when it comes to shifting our perspective, drawing boundaries, and saying no, it's all about taking small steps to ultimately get your result. Number six, boundaries can be communicated by clear and consistent actions. So no awkward conversation necessary (laughs) in certain situations. Number seven, be present wherever you are. 20 minutes of presence with your family is more significant than four hours with them where you're distracted. Number eight, we have to take care of ourselves because we matter, not just so that we can take care of other people. Number nine, when you observe an old thought creeping in, meet it with curiosity and lightness instead of shame, and then repeat the new thought to yourself three times and feel how it feels in your body. Number 10, to proactively rewire the thought, you can use affirmations, you can write it on a post-it note, stick it somewhere you see often, you can make it the home screen of your phone, say it out loud, associate it with a specific place or thing you do, like brushing your teeth, really understand that every time that you see it or think it, you're helping your brain to believe it. And number 11, consider for yourself if there's something that you always believed was the right thing to do, but that if overdone is no longer the right thing for you. So again, I hope you guys loved this one as much as I did. And I did mention if we want to do a Q&A episode in the future, please feel free to send me any questions that you would love for us to get into in that episode. I think it could be so useful to work through some more real life situations. So again, as always, thank you so much for being here and for listening to the show. I love having these conversations so much and I love being able to share them with you. If you're enjoying them, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on Instagram at the.detox.diaries. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds and it really is so, so supportive of the show. So thank you again. I appreciate you being here and I will see you on the next one. Bye.